Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 69. Yeah, make your jokes, jokey make jokersons. But yes, it's a very nice installment of the Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for tonight, Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. We have two days of the Senior Bowl in the books. I'm going to talk quarterbacks, and I'm going to talk offensive line today because I've been taking a look at offensive line players, and I've got a couple of guys in the interior that have stood out, as well as one guy, actually two guys at the tackle spots that have really stood out. Also some centers as well. I've been kind of impressed with the offensive linemen that have been down here so far, so I want to talk about some of those guys. And of course, I'm going to talk about quarterbacks. You know I'm going to do that. But before we do anything, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along the Twitter machine at Mark Schoolfield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio. Not one, not two, but three. Yes, one, two, three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, and right here at Pat's Pulpit. Now, before we dive into the quarterbacks for today, as I was watching practices unfold on Wednesday, starting with the Detroit Lions, and yes, it was another interesting practice from Matt Patricia's squad with a lot of stretching, a lot of special teams. I found myself thinking about the sport of tennis. And I know that's a pretty weird comparison to make when you're down watching prospective NFL players. And yes, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban were together in the house, and I did not get a chance to talk to them. But I was thinking about tennis, and I'm blessed to have some great friends in my life and among them are Craig and Allie Tiley and that's probably a random name to throw out there but Craig is formerly the men's head tennis coach at the University of Illinois he now is the CEO of Tennis Australia his wife Allie and my wife they grew up in the same hometown they went to the same university um, they've been lifelong friends even though now the Tileys obviously live in Australia but we often get to see them at least once a year. Sometimes it was more. And a lot of times what we would be able to do with them was meet up in New York City when they were in stateside for the U.S. Open. And we'd go to the tennis and we'd watch tennis and I'd learn about tennis. And I, as a completely uninformed observer, I learned a ton about tennis from watching these matches with Craig and with Atley in particular. And I remember one day, a hot, steamy day out, out of Flushing Meadows, we got to see Nadal in person in an open around match, and I was blown away by it because I thought, coming from my, again, uninformed opinion, somebody that's from a football background, from a momentum background, I thought, Nadal's going to lose this thing. He's down, he's struggling early. This guy's beating him. And Ali sort of turned to me, and almost dismissively in a sense, but I understand what she means. She was just like, no, this happens all the time with these early round matches. The The... The unranked players, the huge underdogs, they get out to these early starts, but eventually the talent, the athleticism, the endurance, the stamina, the natural ability of the higher-ranking players, the elite players like Nadal, will allow them to carry the day. And that's a little bit of a build-up to get to the point that I wanted to make about Jordan Love. Because if you remember in last night's episode, one that I released after Tuesday's practice, I said that Love sort of had an up-and-down day. But that Patterson impressed me a bit. And, you know, even at times, Gordon impressed me as well. Well, let's put it this way. It seemed like Jordan Love woke up Wednesday morning and said, it's time for the talent to rise. It's time for me to put on a show. It's time for me to do the work. And it certainly seemed like 
he fulfilled that obligation in his mind because while it wasn't perfect i was very impressed with what i saw from jordan love in wednesday's practice and it sort of started early you know it, it started with you know jordan love coming out and throwing a great curl route to chase claypool who has really shined i think this week the notre dame wide receiver a great you know another good dig route uh to another receiver as they get into the skeleton of uh, the one versus ones excuse me had a great comeback route that he threw with good time and in pace he did miss on an out route a little bit later but he followed up with a perfect dig i mean deep ball to denzel mims the baylor wide receiver and he also had good placement on an out route then they get into the skeletons portion where it's basically six on seven if you count the quarterback is a great timing and rhythm placement throw on a comeback route beautiful placement on a, a flat route to chase claypool out of the slot and then when they got into the team session you had him um, and i put this tweet on the timeline i hope you were following along or are following along on the timeline on twitter because he had a play action play where he was thrown you know a crossing route took a little bit off of it showed a little bit of touch he had a beautiful nine ball um to to mims again during the team portion i was very impressed with what i saw from Jordan Love on Wednesday. Was it flawless? No. But it reminded me of that Nadal moment when it was like, okay, it's been fun for a while, but it's time for me to do what I do. Speaking of a guy doing what he does, Anthony Gordon continues to be fun. I had high hopes for him. I've been underwhelmed a bit, but he had a pure giggle moment. During the team portion, he runs a play-action boot concept. He gets pressure off the right edge. He swims that defender with a ball in his hand, steps up in the pocket, and just absolutely rips a crossing route through traffic, through multiple defenders, and it's a strike for a huge gang. Now, would he have been sacked in real life? Probably. Could it have been intercepted? Sure. Was I left giggling in the stands? Absolutely, because it was fun. Now, he missed on some bad throws during team. He underthrew a couple of passes here and there. He missed... Um, on a couple of curl routes earlier in the day. It was another very sort of up and down practice from Gordon. But I'm not jumping off the hill or the train yet. I think he's an intriguing quarterback prospect still. And let's not forget, he's learning to take snaps from center. He's learning to do a lot of stuff that he wasn't asked to do in Mike Leach's offense. I think the baseline traits are there. He's a nice moldable lump of clay, I think. I think he's going to get drafted. It's just a matter of where he falls in the draft and to what team he falls. But I was impressed with what he did. Obviously, then you look, you've got Shea Patterson. And while Patterson exceeded my expectations on Tuesday, he was a bit more underwhelming on Wednesday. He had some bad underthrows, a nine ball to Pittman, uh, another nine ball during the seven on seven, the six on seven, where he just completely missed it. He did have a great deep ball to uh, Antonio Gandy Golden, which. Gandy Golden dropped, but I think Shea Patterson really sort of struggled on Wednesday. It was, again, an underwhelming performance. But then you get the North squad. I mean, excuse me, the South squad. Yeah, the South squad. I sometimes get them mixed up. And we'll start with Steven Montez. We'll start there because he had a bad day. He had a great throw to end it out in the team portion, which I tweeted out on the timeline where he hit um, Van Jefferson on a deep post route. Um, over coverage, Jefferson did a great job. High points in the football. I was impressed by that play. But Montez had two bad throws in sort of the skeleton portion of the practice where he missed horribly on a seam route 
It looked like he threw it right to the defender, like the defender was running the route. I don't know where he was going. He had an inside seam route, an outside seam route, and he threw it between them. It was just a bad throw. And then he followed that up with a really bad throw and an underneath route, an in-breaking route. Didn't see the underneath defender. And again, you don't have a defensive line in front of you, but he doesn't see the defender, throws it right to him. He's lucky it was just tipped and not intercepted. He had a bad day. Jalen Hurts throws a tremendous deep ball. I said that going into this week, and it has really been on display this week. Throws a magnificent deep ball. He had a number of great deep balls during practice, um, You know, both in the one-on-one portion, the seven-on-seven portion, the team portion. He really drops the ball in the bucket on vertical routes, posts, corners, goes. He had a great corner route. Uh, to Sullivan, the LSU hybrid wide receiver tight end. He had a number of other vertical routes as well that he really dropped into the bucket with great placement. And it's got me thinking about a scheme for, for him in the vertical passing game. And I know we have a lot of things to shake out with free agency and trades and things like that and guys on the move and people are making, you know, informed bits of speculation about where guys might end up. And a lot of people have connected, say, Philip Rivers with Bruce Arians down in Tampa Bay. We don't know what Tampa Bay is going to do with Jameis Winston. But I'm starting to come around to the idea of Bruce Arians getting his hands on Jalen Hurts and seeing what he can put together. So that's going to be fun to watch. I I think that's a potential possibility. Other names, obviously, Justin Herbert. And look, we know what Herbert can do. And he's done it this week. He's thrown with timing, velocity, placement, you know, anticipation throws, great throws all, to all levels of the field. And I've been really, really impressed with what he's done. And so he's even got some videos that I put on the timeline of him throwing on the move. I think it's pretty clear. Justin Herbert's the top dog, the top QB down here. And I don't think that should have surprised anybody. And I, I pretty much want to say that it's been pretty clear. Like, it's not like there's a narrow gap between him and Love. I think... Herbert has really set himself apart a bit this week. Does he play himself into the mix for quarterback two? Maybe. A lot of that might really depend on the medical as we get back from Tua Tungvaloa. But on the field, Herbert has done everything I think he's needed to do. And I've been very impressed by him this week. So those are some thoughts on the passers. Up next, I'm going to talk some offensive line. That's ahead on episode 69 of The Skill Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 69 of the SCO Show. And I'm going to start at the tackle spot. I know that's probably weird to do given that the Patriots have more pressing needs on the inside. But I do want to talk about Ben Brodich, the kid from St. John's, the small school D3 offensive lineman. I did get a chance to talk to him very very briefly um, during the media day portion. Very smart kid, very interesting kid, psychology major, traveled abroad, studied abroad. You know, very, very interested in running zone concepts, loves running the inside zone game, but he backs it up on film. You know, watching him Tuesday and Wednesday, both at practice and then on the on the tape, I was very impressed with what he's able to do on the edge. He shows both the athleticism and the lateral quickness, the lateral movement that made him a tight end to begin with, but he added 70 pounds and a lot of it seems to be muscle because he has the upper body strength to body some guys on the edges. And I was just very impressed with what I've seen from him over the past couple of days. I know the Patriots probably don't need a tight end. I mean, excuse me, they need a tight end. Don't need an uh, offensive tackle. But this kid can play. And when you sort of look at 
the combination of traits that he has and how quickly he's shown the ability to adapt and play on the second level at this level excuse me man he's good you know he can ride guys to the outside he can counter you know different counter moves that he's seeing on the edges you see him against some you know upper level talent he's stoning guys initially with power he's riding guys with his feet and his lateral movement i've been very 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 impressed with him another tackle that i've been impressed with is from yukon sort of a local kid and that's matt pearl and I've been impressed with what he's able to do on the edges, both a combination like Bartis with power and fluidity. He's got good upper up body strength. Going up against Yuchi, the edge rusher from Michigan, shows the ability to anchor and, and drop the lower body, get that center of gravity underneath him and stop guys on the edge. So that's been impressive to watch. I think he's a very good player. He had a very good rep against Carter Coughlin, an edge defender from um, Minnesota. Who's playing sort of off ball? There you saw a very fluid kick side from kick slide from Pearl. Uh, good hands, able to lock him up with the right arm. So I've been impressed with him. A guy I think that has had some moments is Josh Jones from Houston. He's flashed at times, but struggled at other times at the tackle spot. Um, similarly, Charlie Heck um, from UNC. He's got some good feet. Um, he, he's able to deal with an initial punch. Um, and what was interesting about him. He had one rep where he showed almost like a deke, like he faked, like he was jabbing somebody with an initial punch, and when that person extended their arms to meet it, he brought it back and then reset himself and then stoned him with his hands. I thought that was very impressive to see. So he's been fun to watch at the tackle spot as well. Those are some guys on the North squad. On the South squad, uh, Terrence Steele, um, he's been a very good tackle to watch. Um, Steele, I'm coming from Clemson. Excuse me. Did I get this right? No, from Texas Tech. He's been a good guy to watch. He had some great reps against Jonathan Grenard um, from the University of Florida. He has good fluid feet. Um, also very good, um, patient with his hands. He can counter moves pretty well, so I've been impressed to watch Terrence Steele as well, another player on the South roster. Let's kick it to the inside. Um, somebody that's really stood out, Logan Stenberg um, from Kentucky, a guard, uh, counters pass rushing moves extremely well. Robert Windsor, for example, he tried to hit him with a bull rush followed by a rip move. He, he handles the initial bull rush. Windsor feels like he's losing the rep, so he tries to counter with the, the rip move underneath him, and he keeps the arms locked out, strong with the hands and the forearms, is able to counter that rip move and continue to stone him and win the rep. Very impressive from there as well. Um, he's had many good reps this week so far. I've been very impressed with him. Another example, a similar battle with Windsor. Um, great hand placement, good upper body strength. So he's flashed for me. I know I mentioned John Simpson, the Clemson guard. He's underwhelmed me at times. You know, part of it is he's gone up against you know Javon Kinlaw a bunch of times, and that's a tough matchup for anybody right now. Um, but he's whiffed on his initial punch against multiple defenders, and that has me a little hesitant about him. Now, something that might work in his favor, he had two reps against Marlon Davidson from Auburn. First, like he did with Kinlaw, he whiffs on the initial punch, but and he loses the rep. Later against Davidson, he what what happens is he has a better move against him because he loses against Davidson on a swim move. He whiffs on the initial punch and Davidson is able to swim him. Later, Davidson thinking he can do it again tries the swim move, but Simpson is he was ready for it. He was waiting for it. He's able to win the rep by getting into him, preventing him from getting that swim over him and winning that pass rush rep. So, bit of an up and down start I'd say from Simpson. 
but I was pleased to see that perhaps he's learning from the process. A name you're going to hear, Lloyd Cushenberry. If the Patriots are worried about the health of David Andrews, this kid's had a phenomenal week. Matt Miller's been talking about him. Daniel Jeremiah has been talking about him. He's done a very good job this week. Had some great reps against Kinlaw. But what you're seeing from him is good hand strength, good upper body strength. It's, it's impossible to move him on the interior. You know, guys are trying a variety of different moves against him. Bull rushes, swims, you know, trying to spin move against him. He's not given an inch. I've been extremely impressed with him on the inside. And there are another couple of other centers, too. Uh, Matt Hennessy from Temple. He's been very impressive. Nick Harris from Washington. He's been extremely impressive. There are some very good centers here that have done some great work. Getting to see them up close and personally. But I wanted to end on one player. And that's a guard that I think could be some Joe Tooney insurance if the Patriots are worried about you know, what he might command in free agency. And that's Michigan's Ben Bredesen. I've been very impressed with what he has done so far this week. You know, watching him today, I thought he's been he was fantastic today. He had a great patient rep against Darian Daniels, a big defensive tackle that I've mentioned from Nebraska. Showed some good footwork to handle the counter move that he tried to the inside. I was very impressed with that rep. Um, some stuff that I saw from him on Tuesday, you know, looking through my notes here. He had a very good rep against Ohio State's Davon Hamilton. Um, he had a good hand strike there. He rides him to the outside. Violent left hand strike. Able to get him to the turf. I loved that rep from him. He weighed in well. He measured well. He had a play against um, McTelvin A.M., who I mentioned, the defensive tackle from Arkansas. He was beaten a bit to the inside. But one thing to remember, as my buddy Owen pointed out, sometimes you're going to have two-way goes. He was beaten to the inside but still recovered and rode him well. I was happy to see that. He's been very impressive. He had another good play where he slides to the right, sort of in a simulated slide protection scheme. Guy tries to cut inside to the left, rides him and carries him outside away from the pocket. I loved seeing that from him. Two other guards I did want to mention briefly before I wrap this up. Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. He's flashed for me this week. Um, he can counter. Uh, he can you know handle you know inside bull rushes. He can handle some you know. Pass rushing moves that have strung together. Been impressed to see what he's done. And Hakeem Agendi from Kansas. He had a down day Tuesday. Came on strong a little bit as that day went on. It started off slow. Got stronger as the day went on. He had a very good rep against Daniels, the Nebraska kid, where he rocks him with an initial punch. You know, Daniels tries to counter with a swim move, but then he rides him around the pocket. I loved that. And then on Wednesday, I thought he was really impressive. He had a great rep against Jason Stowbridge the UNC defensive lineman who's done some good things down here. He handled a bull power rush from him really, really, really well. And so as this week's gone on, I've been very impressed with what I've seen from him. Another rep that he had, um, this time against Neville Gallimore, a defensive tackle. Um, it was a bull rush again. He's able to stone him at the point of contact. Um, those guys, Bredesen, Agendi, and Jackson, They've really stood out to me on the interior. Those are some guards that I think Patriots fans might want to do some homework on. But that's it. I've been yapping in your ears for about 20 minutes. It's time for me to, you know what? To go to dinner. It's time to go get some food. I'm a little hungry, but that will do it. I will be back tomorrow at some point with a show. Interestingly enough, Thursday's practice has already been moved indoors. And so will the media be able to attend? Will they not? Will some? We don't know. But I'll at least be able to watch the film. So I'll have something for you at some point on Thursday before I leave town. Until then, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign. 
down and fall.